Hello, and welcome to the KC Disciples Regional Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Smith-McKee. This is a podcast aimed at sharing what we have happening in the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, here in the greater Kansas City region. Welcome. So this podcast is really going to be the first resource-driven podcast we've had. As I said in our very first episode, one of my driving factors in starting this was to share the resource we have in our Disciples Ministers gatherings. If you can't be there on that one particular Thursday a month, we want you to be able to share in what is going on in those gatherings. With that in mind, this is our DMA from January 12th. We met at Country Club Christian Church and got to hear from Amy Shoemaker. Amy is a spiritual director who grew up in the Kansas City area. She has a long history with the Disciples Church and brought us some ideas for noticing our own self-data. This is a longer podcast than normal, but that's because it's intended to be a resource. If you regularly listen to podcasts, go ahead and skip forward about 30 seconds, because you may already listen to podcasts that are longer than this one. But if you are generally new to this, let me give you some helpful hints on listening to this one. You don't have to listen to the whole thing in one setting. You don't have to stay glued to your computer the whole time. You can listen while you are cleaning your house, exercising, working a crossword. You can pause in the middle and come back at a different time. Heck, you can even enjoy this on your commute to work. Any way you choose to listen, it's up to you. I hope that it is a helpful resource. Okay, everyone back? Remember, this was a presentation that was given to a group of people who were right in front of Amy. Some of the parts have been edited to make this more of a listening experience rather than a visual one. Specifically, you may want to try some of these opening exercises at your own pace. Please do try them. They were helpful for calming us and for centering us together. So, without any further ado, Amy Schumacher. So we'll just go ahead and jump right in uh, with a deep breath. Go ahead and take a deep breath in through your nose. And let it out with a sigh. Let's do that again. And we're going to take another deep breath. And this time you're going to let the sigh last for the full length of the breath. So just let your, let your voice continue. Ready? Take a deep breath. Let it go. direction. Noticing 
all the bits and pieces of information. And in moments like this, sometimes we can get into what is called hard focus, where your focus and your energy is kind of all right here. And this tunnel vision thing can happen. Um, this is more prevalent now that we're sitting in front of a lot of screens a lot of the time. <laughs> so the opposite of this is easy focus. Noticing the back side of your body, noticing the sides of your body, the top of your head, the bottoms of your feet. And the way you find the place of easy focus is to put two fingers, one on each temple, and to draw an imaginary line between those two points on your temples. And then put a finger in between your eyebrows and one in the same place on the back of your head. And draw a line between those two points as well. Now close your eyes and put your focus, put your attention into the place where those two lines intersect. Take a deep breath. And open your eyes. This is what we call easy focus. This easy focus is an attitude of, ob of observation, noticing. Oftentimes we walk through the world in a place of judgment and we're consistently denying or talking ourselves out of whatever that information is. So this easy focus thing is just a way to relax and ease into your own experience and to really just notice what's going on. So first I want to make it clear why this is important. Why, does, why is it important to pay attention to your experience? Well, we're disciples. And a core understanding of disciples is that your relationship with God is personal and individual to you. Right? That's one of the things that really rings in my ear from childhood, at least, growing up disciples. It's like, your relationship with God is personal and individual to you. Like, okay, got it. Um, but what does that really mean? Well, to me, it means that we have a high level of responsibility when it comes to noticing our experience, noticing our relationship with God, and uh, developing, evolving in that relationship. So this exercise that we just did is, was not only an exercise in easy focus, but it was also an exercise in body data. Why body? Well, we don't actually have experiences separate from our bodies. How else am I going to know what my experience of God is if I'm not paying attention to what's happening in my body? Because I don't have experiences separate from my body. So body data are the bits and pieces of information that we're processing at all times. Is there anything you noticed as you walked throughout the room? Uh, who was it said they needed a nap? How do you know you need a nap? What are the feelings? What are the, what are the, sens what are the sensations and the senses that lead you to the conclusion that you need a nap? I was relaxing. Were your eyes heavy? Okay. Just yeah. feeling really... That's data. And then you compare that, that feeling of being relaxed, with previous experience, which is your body knowledge. The patterns in the data. 
So you could say that your, your reaction was, ooh, I need a nap. I know I need a nap because the other times when I felt this way, a nap was very effective. From these patterns, we move into body wisdom. Body wisdom are the choices that we make rooted in the data and the knowledge. I know from my previous experience that I'm not going to be very effective today. So a 20 minute power nap, good to go. So tell me what you know about sleep. Like, how do you, what, what do you need to get the best night's sleep? Any ideas? Pills. Pills. Valid. <laughs> CPAP. Dark, Dark and quiet. Routine. Consistency. Consistency. Yeah. Ritual. A cooler room. No kids around. Dark, cool, hot, right? You have a lot of knowledge about sleep. We do it a lot. And do you always choose to do the things you know will set you up for good sleep? No. 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 Why not? But sometimes other things are fun. I had some wine last night. I don't sleep well after I have one. There you go. And you weighed those choices against each other and we're like, yeah, this is worth it. I know I'm going to be sleepy maybe tomorrow and this is worth it because this wine is so amazing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's the kind of negotiation that we're constantly making every second of every day. And we don't always do it consciously, right? The, that is a pretty conscious choice. Like, okay, yes, this is going to have an impact on me. Where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, about all of this, is this idea of internal authority. What have you heard from experts or other people about what, about how your sleep should be or what you should do to get good sleep? What have you heard from your doctor or Dr. Oz or? Don't sleep with the phone by your Don't sleep with the phone next to your head. Don't engage in electronic activity before <coughs> bed. Put away your phones before you go to bed. Like no caffeine after no caffeine after four. Do the same things, yeah, like a ritual every night leading up to bed. Mm -hmm. Six and a half hours is the minimum. Six and a half hours is the minimum. Yeah, so we also have a lot of information from external authorities about sleep, right? Now, where this gets tricky is when external information becomes internalized. And we listen to it as if it is coming from our internal authority when in fact the origin of it does not. Right, it's a little complicated. So let me, let me break it down a little bit. Milk, our doctors tell us it's a good source of calcium and that we should all get enough milk. Well, if you drink milk and it makes you sick to your stomach and you're like, ooh, that maybe wasn't so good. But my doctor told me to drink milk, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna drink milk, and today for lunch, I'm gonna have a glass of milk. Same thing happens. You're like, oh, but doctor said, this is really good for me and I should do it. You do it again, you drink another glass of milk, same thing happens, three times, now we have a pattern. And you have a choice to make about whether or not continuing to drink milk is actually good for you based on your experience. So where this gets a little bit tricky, this idea of internal authority. Um, let's explore that a little bit. So go ahead and take a deep breath. Let out with a sigh. Shake it around. 
I do this because um, it helps to release any excess information. Right? So we're kind of throwing a lot of information at you. And by simply taking a deep breath and shaking it out, you're letting go of whatever doesn't need to be there anymore. So go ahead and turn to someone next to you. You know, this is just for a couple minutes. It's not like for life or anything. <laughs> Partner number two is going to go first. And we're just going to do a little bit of babbling. So babbling is just stream of consciousness talking. I'm going to give you a topic, and you're going to say whatever comes to mind about that topic as much as you can, whatever comes out for 30 seconds. And then I'll ask you to stop. Okay? So partner number two, 30 seconds. Tell your partner anything you know at all about chocolate. Ready? Go. I asked him what he wants me. He says chocolate. So instead of babbling, you're going to go do what's called, I could talk about. This is fun. You say, I could talk about. And then you mention a thing that you could talk about, but you don't actually have to talk about it. Okay? And then your partner responds with, I could talk about, and then mentions something that they could talk about, but you don't actually talk about it. For instance, I could talk about the forecast for the weather. Does it have to be related? No. I could talk about video games. <laughs> I could talk about the lunar cycle. I could talk about children. Right? So you can be as general, children, or specific as you want. I could talk about the time when I went whitewater rafting and almost died. Right? That's a little bit more specific. That didn't actually happen. That's a lie. You also can lie, by the way. <laughs> um, I could talk about ice skating. I could talk children. about... I can talk about. I can talk about building a cat tree. I could talk about the theater. I could talk about um, the best ways to pick up dead flies in the sanctuary. I could talk about how I love online shopping. I could talk about um, camp and conference. I could talk about. I could talk about camp and conference. Have uncomfortable Cleanliness was huge. 
mow the lawn. <laughs> that one's hard to shave the lawn.
and the love of God that is available to them is they are not able to accept it because that message has been internalized to such a deep degree. All right, so that's kind of an extreme case of all of this. Um, I see it in my spiritual direction clients who um, grew up in families where there was mental illness in their parents and their parents never believed what they said about their experience or consistently denied that their own their information. So let's say that um, someone at school, I'll just use an example from my own experience, which is um, in first grade I was bullied incessantly at school. I was the shortest kid, my name was Shoemaker, I was super sensitive, and so I, they'd get a, these bullies would get a good reaction out of me, and it was very satisfying, apparently, to bully me. Um, and so my solution to that was to take a break and to go ask to go to get a drink. So I'd go get a drink, I'd take a walk to the drinking fountain, and I'd come back to my seat and I'd feel better. So I kept doing that thing. And then my teacher decided that hydration wasn't that important, that I really needed to stay in class, and so getting a drink would no longer get me out of class and away from these bullies. But going to the bathroom always did. So I started to ask to go to the bathroom. On a, like, I'm, I'm like six, right? And I'm like, just get me away from these people. And so I'm going to the bathroom a lot. And my teacher calls my mom and says, I think you need to take Amy to the doctor. She has a, I think she has a bladder problem. She goes to the bathroom a lot. Someone else's parent might have said, oh, okay, I'll take her to the doctor right away. And take me to the doctor and put me through all these tests to see what's wrong with my bladder and blah, 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 blah. While I had a brilliant mother who asked me, do you actually go to the bathroom every time you ask to go to the bathroom? I said, no. She said, well, why are you going to the bathroom? Well, and I said, because Steve and Kyle are mean to me. She was like, oh, I get it. This story could have gone a very different way, in the sense that my mother could have not asked me my experience or negated it by telling me I had to stay in class. My coping mechanism was to go to the bathroom to get away. My mother very easily could have said, it's important that you stay in school. You have to, you have to stay in class. You can't ask to go to the bathroom anymore. You can't get, get drinks anymore. You have to stay. Which would have been very damaging. And I would have gotten the message that my pain didn't matter, that my feelings didn't matter, that I had to do, I had to be obedient, that I had to do what my teacher said, right? But instead, she honored my internal authority and my wisdom about what I needed in that situation. And so I was empowered to continue to make those choices that were in my own best interest. Well, not all of us grow up in environments where we have the freedom to choose what's best for us. Some of us grow up in environments where we don't get to make that choice. How many of you have studied the Oregon Trail or played the video game? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> The Oregon Trail, there are so many wagons going through these dirt roads, and after so many times of a wagon going through this road, 
you get ruts in the rope. And you can't turn out of them or you'll break your wheel and then you die of dysentery. Somehow, magically. <laughs> um, at least that's how it worked in the video game. Um, and our bodies work the same way. Again, we don't have experiences separate from our bodies. So our mental, spiritual, and emotional processes are actually physical. And what can happen over time with these patterns is that they form grooves in us, just like those ruts in the road in the Oregon Trail. And what can happen is when you're in the depth of a pattern, you don't really realize that you're in it until it's like six weeks later and you're looking back and you're going, oh, I do, that happens a lot. The alternative is to notice the pattern at the very first signal of the pattern because you're not in the depth of the groove yet, right? Just like you don't have experiences separate from your bodies, all of your life is spiritual practice. Your life is a large spiritual practice made up of smaller spiritual practices. You have an anger practice. You have a love practice. You have a joy practice. You have a depression practice. You have an anxiety practice, a stress practice. And all of these practices are also patterns. The difference between a pattern and a practice is intention. Okay? Our patterns tend to run us. Our practices, we run them. This body data stuff becomes very important because if I start to notice, okay, anger, my anger practice is that I ignore the anger and I ignore it and I ignore it and I ignore it and then after a certain blow up, at whoever's in front of me. Sound, sound familiar to anybody? Okay. I'm ignoring all of this data and I'm ignoring all of this knowledge, and I'm making a pretty poor choice in that moment. And so then I have to deal with the consequences and pick up the pieces, and then before I, before I even know it, I've been through this practice three times today, or three times this week, or I've been in this practice for three weeks, and I'm like, hi, yeah, yeah, or this pattern. I've been in this anger pattern. I'm blowing up at coworkers, and I'm blowing up at my spouse, and I'm blowing up at my friends. It's like. How did I get here? How did I get here? And how do I get out? These are all things that I look at as a spiritual director. I look at, all right, here's your pattern with anger. The pattern is deny, 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 <coughs> deny, push away, push away, push away, resist, and then blow up. All right, what's an alternative? Clearly that pattern is destructive. What's an alternative pattern? that we can turn into a practice to shift the way anger operates in your life. First up, awareness. Become aware of every step of the anger pattern. And then to accept that the pattern is real and to accept yourself for having that pattern. I I'm in this pattern where I deny, deny, deny my anger, and then I blow up and I hurt people's feelings. And I love and accept myself. To get to that point of acceptance of ourselves, where we can be so honest that we notice every step of that pattern that isn't helping us, it's once we accept it, once we believe what we notice about it, 
we can begin to make a different choice. Change happens in small steps over time. The first signal is that I'm starting to feel tension in my neck and my shoulders, and I'm like, no, we're not getting angry right now. So I shove it down. An alternative would be, I'm starting to feel this creep up in my shoulders, and I'm starting to feel myself resist and reject and push this feeling away. Instead, I'm gonna take a deep breath. I'm gonna clench my fists, and I'm gonna let myself have and release this little bit of anger. And now I get to experience what's beyond that anger. That's new. It's good. That place beyond anger is good. But the longer I resist the anger, the longer its life is. If I can come into acceptance of my own experience in little bits, it's much more manageable. It's much easier to digest. It's much easier to process, right? But the thing that stops us from actually feeling what we feel are these messages from external authority. Yeah, take a deep breath. Okay. So this is the process that I teach. Awareness, acceptance, change. These are tools that you can use to facilitate this process. In order to know what's good and what's not, first have to notice what's good and what's not and then accept the thing and accept yourself and make a different choice right it's really that simple not so easy but simple again why does this matter it is my experience that as a spiritual director that a richer, more fulfilling spiritual life comes from a deeper level of self-acceptance. We are already fully 100% loved and accepted by God. And the more that I can feel that and embody that and move it into the world, the more effective I can be as a Christian, the more effective I can be as a leader, as a wife, as a sister, as a daughter, all of those different things. My life itself becomes more fulfilling. Next is stress. Sorry about it. <laughs> um, go ahead and just feel stress in your body. What does stress feel like? What are some symptoms of stress? How do you know that you're in stress? Pressure. Pressure where? Usually emotional. Emotional? Migraine. Lower back for me. Mm. What what does your breathing do? Shallow. Shallow. I have an upset stomach. Sorry, what was over here? Knots. Knots. Hypersensitivity. I'm awake at 2 a.m. Can't <laughs> sleep. <laughs> I talk a lot more. I talk a lot more. <laughs> Nervous. Sweaty palms. Impatient. Like uh. Um, over, like overwhelm? Yeah. yeah. So y'all know what stress feels like. Clearly. Right? 
all really good body data. Okay? Now, what's the opposite of stress? Relaxed, energized, focused. Mm -hmm. Joyful. Joyful, peaceful. Play. In control. In control. Calm. The back is relaxed. Deep breaths instead of shallow. Hopeful. Another word for ease in the body is grace. Grace, the grace of a ballerina on stage. The grace of the wind blowing through the trees. The ease, the ease of nature. The ease of the natural processes in our world. Which brings us to our final tool, or principle, which is a physicality of grace. Physicality is the understanding, number one, that you don't have experiences separate from your body, and that our experience is messy. We tend to put our experience into compartments, the compartment of body, mind, heart, soul, spirit, whatever. Your, your mind goes to work, your soul goes to church, your body goes to the gym. And never the tween shall meet. When actually, if we understand that we don't have experience, we don't have spiritual experiences separate from our body, or physical experiences separate from our emotions and our thoughts, then we can start to notice what's good. We can start to notice the sense of ease. What creates that? What are the sources of grace and ease in my life? And I can begin to choose to have more of that. But if I'm noticing that this glass of wine, where's my wine lady? This glass of wine is really good. I'm going to take a moment to notice that good, to give thanks for that good, and to open my experience to more of that good in that moment. So I'm not like drinking more of the wine, I'm getting more good out of each sip of the wine. And then I can start to have more good in every aspect of my life. That choice is up to me. That's where my internal authority can come right alongside my experience and really support my choices. Because if our life is a spiritual practice, our self-care practices are up to us to build and create after we've noticed the good over time. Okay. So, there, this we only had time four for four of the, of the eight principles, principles that Amy usually shares. These are principles that are for noticing and getting out of the stuckness of life and even our own ministries, and they help us move towards that ease that you heard about. You can visit her website, amydianeshoemaker.com, to book an appointment or to ask other questions. There will be a link provided in our show notes. Amy is taking new clients right now. And also, this kind of talk can happen in a congregational or a small group setting. Please do check out her website for any other questions. Again, we are very thankful for Amy Shoemaker and what she shared with us. I do hope that you found this to be a helpful listen. Maybe you found something that you can take into your daily life to help move away from patterns and into intentional practices. 
Coming up on the podcast, we will have stories from our new church ministries, our future stories retreat that took place in the beginning of February. We'll have some special roundtable conversations and further check-ins with our regional minister, Bill Roseheim. Genuinely, I do appreciate you listening, and I welcome any feedback or new ideas that you'd like to share. You can find my contact info on fairviewcc.org. Thank you, and see you next time.